Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Our journey really began before Lincoln was even born. There was another boy with MTM named Joshua who was born in 1995. At that time, no one even knew what myotubular myopathy was. Nobody was even looking for a cure. His parents found the dog that brought all of the science together, and with it, a whole lot of hope. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at The Times. Today, we're going to continue to discuss Lincoln's Shot, our eight-part serial narrative. You can read the entire series at tampabay.com slash Shot, but here on the podcast, we're walking through the chapters one by one, and it starts with a reading from Lane. This is Chapter 2. Today's topic, The Hope. On nights when Maggie Hoyle German took the long, lonely late shift watching over her son, she scrolled through Facebook. Sorority sisters with cocktails were posting selfies. Co-workers were showing photos of their kids at the beach. All her friends were leading lives she had left behind months ago when Lincoln was born. After two months in the hospital, Maggie and Anthony DeLuna had brought their son home to their cramped Tampa apartment, carried him and all his machines up three flights of stairs, and started the constant battle of keeping him alive. Maggie searched for women like her, mothers with sons who might not live long. Eventually, she came across a group of parents whose boys had the same genetic defect as Lincoln, X-linked myotubular myopathy. She learned about a national conference and a foundation raising money for research. She reached out to the head of the foundation, another mom who lived in Florida, the woman she'd seen in the dog video, Allison Fraze. There were emails those first months of 2014 then teary phone calls that went on and on. Allison learned about Lincoln and the curse Maggie's family carried. Maggie heard about Allison's son, Joshua, who had outlived expectations and gone on to be inducted into his high school's National Honor Society, though he almost died too many times to count. His parents spent his whole life trying to cure him. We've been at this almost 20 years, Allison told Maggie. So many things are moving forward right now. If scientists were fixing dying dogs, Maggie thought, Surely they could save her son. Allison Rocket had helped manage the band Guns N' Roses. Paul Fraze was a defensive lineman for the New York Jets. When she was 27 and he was 26, they met by a pool table at a New York bar. They planned their wedding for a bye week in the NFL schedule. Jets Fraze rockets to the altar, wrote the New York Daily News in 1991. When their son was born four years later, he couldn't cry or move anything but his right hand. Doctors ruled out all kinds of rare diseases. Months went by before a lab mailed Paul and Allison the diagnosis, XLMTM, plus four pages of explanation copied from a medical journal. Allison hadn't known she was a carrier. No one in her family had even heard of the disorder. Only 55 other people on the planet had been diagnosed with that disease. No one knew how to help. No one was even studying the condition, 
much less time to cure it. Researchers in 1995 were focused on AIDS and helping soldiers overcome Gulf War syndrome. Scientists were working on the 20, I'm sorry, $2.7 billion Human Genome Project, a 15-year effort to map and sequence DNA. The phrases decided they had to do something. Joshua was six months old when Allison wrote her goals. Find a cure. Find families like mine. Find my voice. They started a nonprofit, the Joshua Phrase Foundation, and called all their connections. Allison threw a fundraiser at the Hard Rock Cafe in Boston. Paul invited football players from Syracuse University, the Jets, and New England Patriots, plus friends who now worked on Wall Street. The foundation raised $144,000. A few years later, Allison moved the gala to the Boston Harbor Hotel and sold out 450 seats. Donations doubled. The band Boston played one year, then the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and later Peter Wolf from the Jake Isles Band. After Paul got picked up by the Jacksonville Jaguars, he and Allison moved to Florida with their fragile son. They knew they had to work fast and fund the research, but they had no idea how much money or time it would take, or who would even be willing to work on such a rare disease. Allison's mother, Elsie Rockett, was half listening to CNN in 1996 when she heard a guest talk about growing skin. He and other doctors in the regenerative medicine program at Harvard had been working to build bladders and other tissues that might serve as transplant organs. Elsie wondered if he could grow muscle for boys like her grandson. She wrote down the man's name, Anthony Atala. She phoned his office and left a message, telling him all about Joshua. To her surprise, Atala called back. He explained that from the piece of skin the size of a stamp, he could grow enough to fill a football field. Then Allison got on the phone. Can you help us? In 1997, Paul played in the Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers, who lost to the Denver Broncos. That same year, Google debuted, connecting scientists from around the world. And the Joshua Phrase Foundation cut its first check to Atala's lab for $500,000. Allison introduced the phrases to colleagues studying neuromuscular diseases. Those doctors connected with scientists in France who had just isolated the mutated gene that caused the disease. Finally, Paul said, we had something to believe in. Paul and Allison followed the research closely, calling scientists up to three times a week, raising $2 million more than $6 million. They read medical journals and floated their own theories. Could the cure come through regenerative medicine, growing and transplanting new muscle? Or was it gene therapy, fixing the broken link? They learned that scientists first described the double helix structure of DNA in 1953, that molecular makeup transmitted genetic data. If a single gene was damaged, it could cause a range of diseases. Science Magazine reported early attempts at gene therapy in 1972, writing about researchers trying to create replacement genes. Two years later, the National Institutes of Health developed the first guidelines for gene research. By the time Joshua was born, Nature Magazine had reported successful gene therapy trials on three infants, and other forms of DNA modifications were emerging. Scientists could slice and splice genes or edit a single defective one, or they could clone a copy of a correct gene and inject it into a patient to override the broken one. The Food and Drug Administration was just beginning to allow clinical trials for gene therapy. Paul and Allison obsessed over the options, weighing risks and outcomes, growing impatient as their son grew weaker. Sometimes, when Allison was ready to give up, she told Maggie, I'd get this sign. She'd be doing dishes or folding laundry and this movie would come on. In Lorenzo's Oil, Susan Sarandon and Nick Nolte have a son with the rare disease who needs a treatment no one knows how to make. 
So they set out to save him. Joshua was four in 1999 when a teenager named Jesse Gelsinger from Tucson, Arizona, died during a gene therapy trial at the University of Pennsylvania. Almost immediately, the National Institutes of Health shut down all clinical trials involving human gene therapy, more than 2,000 potential treatments for hundreds of inherited illnesses. It was a disaster, Paul said. But in universities across the world, doctors kept conducting experiments while the phrases kept raising money. Allison also started a registry and built a database of medical information about 410 people from across five continents. She was sure the disorder was more common than doctors thought. So many boys died before they were even diagnosed. Joshua had a mild form of myopathy, which didn't require a tracheostomy. With the help of a respirator pack, he could breathe a little on his own. He didn't have to be permanently attached to a ventilator, and he could talk. He was so funny, Paul said, and smart. By the time he was five, Joshua could steer his wheelchair and play computer games with just his right hand. Allison homeschooled him at first, then sent him to third grade. When Joshua turned 12, he lived a decade longer than expected, but he weighed only 67 pounds and had become too weak to sit up. So he lay on a gurney while classmates wheeled him around. Researchers kept saying all these papers had to be published, then peer-reviewed, Paul said. Next month kept turning into next year. Joshua was in middle school in 2007 when Allison first saw the mouse video. The Harvard researcher had sent her an email of two mice who'd been given excellent myotubular myopathy. French scientists had treated one with gene therapy. Allison watched as the limp mouse began to move, then, slowly, haul itself onto its feet. When it started to walk, Allison gasped. When it grabbed a bar with both front paws and held on, she wept. Some of the researchers her foundation was funding worked with those French scientists. In America, scientists were thinking about conducting tests on zebrafish. The phrases wanted to move faster. They knew the government would not allow a trial on people until the procedure could be tested on large animals. Allison asked the researchers, Do you think other mammals have this condition? No one knew. At a conference soon after, one of Anthony Atala's colleagues from Harvard, Alan Beggs, met a professor from the University of California, San Diego, who was studying neurological disorders in dogs. The professor mentioned that a Canadian vet had sent her muscle samples from a laboratory that looked like they were affected by excellent myotubular myopathy. Some of the dog's puppies couldn't walk and could barely hold up their heads. By four months old, most died. Beggs shared the news with Allison. If they could breed the dog and trace the defect through her litters, they could test gene therapy on those puppies. So Beggs emailed the California professor. She reached out to the Canadian vet who found the owner who said the dog had just been spayed. All the puppies with the defect had died. Joshua was 13 when Allison told the vet about him and the mice and the foundation. By then, the disease was taking a relentless toll. Her son was barely able to move. The vet agreed to help. Together, she and Allison combed the genealogy trails of Canadian Labradors, reaching out to other veterinarians who might have diagnosed wasted puppy syndrome, leaving messages for dozens of dog owners. In December 2008, Allison got a call. The Canadian vet had found the owner of a chocolate Labrador with floppy puppies on a farm in Saskatchewan, 2,400 miles from Allison's Florida home. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The vet gave Allison the number for the dog's owner. After five minutes of hearing her talk about Joshua, the man said, I want to give you my dog. I want to help your son. Allison bought a coat, a dog crate, and a plane ticket. Nine days later, she flew to Toronto in a blizzard, then transferred to a propeller plane. When she got to Western Canada, everything was white and winds whipping the air to 23 degrees below zero. A man in cowboy boots was waiting at the airport, holding the leash of a chocolate lab, who was wagging her tail. He said, this is Nibs. Joshua followed each experiment and all the emerging technologies. He read everything he could find about gene therapy and kept track of the 25 scientists collaborating across the globe. He wanted to go to college, work in a laboratory, help figure out a permanent fix for boys like him. He wanted to be the first person to get the gene therapy. The guinea pig, Paul said, in case there were any problems. Paul carried Joshua on long hikes through the woods. Allison pulled him in a wagon through Disney World. Joshua rode in an RV to scavenger hunts, church sleepovers, even took a tour of the White House. People who see me for the first time don't know what to expect from me, Joshua wrote on the website for his foundation. Some people may think I'm not smart, and I drool a little too much. It's weird, but most of the guys I see in class are the ones having a sleep marathon, waking up with drool on their chins. Just kidding. Besides having a little bit of a speech problem, I'm practically like any other 14-year-old who loves to play video games. When Joshua was in eighth grade, he visited the laboratory at Wake Forest University, where Atala and colleagues were researching his disease. Atala had moved from Harvard and teamed up with a researcher named Martin Casey Childers, who was growing tissue from dog placentas. Allison gave Childers the chocolate lab. Four days later, they all rejoiced when tests confirmed what everyone had been hoping for. Nibs had a canine version of the same carrier gene as Allison. You could feel the excitement from researchers all over the world, she said. Childers bred Nibs with a black lab, and Nibs had a litter of 12. Five of the females were carriers. One of the males, little gray boy, couldn't get up. Allison showed Joshua pictures of the puppies. A few months later, she told him the gray one had died. The scientists had sent Nibs back to the farm in Canada, but they were starting a breeding colony with her puppies. Maybe soon they could try to treat the sick males. Joshua never got to see the next letter or watch the YouTube video where the cured puppies run. He died in his bed on Christmas Eve 2010. He was almost 16. It's too late for my son, Allison told Maggie, but it might not be too late for yours. So with part two, we had the challenge of introducing a new family and another little boy with the same disease. Uh, but it was the start of the research, and it was really this family that helped drive this forward. And so, and for our purposes too, they're both F- Florida families. So, um, and uh, but one of the debates we had with this, or one of the challenges we had with this one, was trying to not have um, Joshua's experience and Lincoln's experience be competing with each other in a way, so that you you know we knew that it, we as you w- went on with Lincoln, you. You were, we were trying to avoid duplicating a lot of that stuff. And and this was really to focus on introducing the science 
and the scientists. And um, I mean, this isn't this is really. And I mean, listening to it too again, Lane. It was kind of it was fun to listen to it because it's it's. I mean, you're incredible, but the the circumstances are incredible. All the serendipity here. And all the things that had to come together for this thing to happen and for things to move in a certain way is, is just incredible. Well, and even the idea of, you know, I'm sure many, many parents have thought about starting a foundation or what can we do to help our kid. But to have the, the connections of NFL players and Guns N' Roses band people and right. like just that kind of high roller people to donate really kicked things off in a way that was you know, wouldn't have happened if they hadn't had that little celebrity to help advance their desires you know one of the tricky things for readers of this series is that we're not so we've we kind of put lincoln on hold for a second and we say to you okay come back with us on another time frame and we're gonna we're gonna throw you back in time of 20 years and then we're gonna move you forward again but we've got to do that for you to understand how far this it's all come and where we are when lincoln is born you know and I think it gives you a little hope, too. I mean, the first chapter we Again tell you. Again with hope. <laughs> you can edit out my hope if you want. Uh, um, the first chapter we tell you most of these kids die by age two. Well, here's a kid that lived to be 15. So that also gives you a little bit of, of thought that maybe Lincoln could live a little bit longer, you know, defy the odds like Joshua had. And, of course, it helped us that Maggie and Allison connect. I mean, so there is a, there is a natural place there to build a bridge. And then also to build a bridge away from them to kind of say we we took it sort of as far as we could, right? And now you know it's there's the possibility is there for your child because of what they helped do. I mean, really. And that was that was a really heartbreaking piece of the reporting for me when I went to visit them. They live up by Jacksonville, and to know that you know this cure is all coming together, but their kid's gone. You know, mm-hmm. the whole reason they started this thing, it's not there's no hope for their son. You mm-hmm. know, but. Um, Allison had kind of carried the mission on to become an ambassador for the other moms. And she really was sort of this, like, big sister to all these other young moms who were like, what What do I do? How do I cope? You know, she spent a lot, a lot of her time counseling other moms. And we're obviously going to get into more science, but that's what you want to talk a little bit. I mean, the science is the part that you were most intimidated by, I guess, in this, in this like, trying to understand it and figure out how we're going to tell people what happens? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a whole adage about journalists doing math, journalists doing science. It's a very scary thing. I was incredibly intimidated by the science of this story and, you know, asked as many people as I could to help walk me through it in a sixth grade level so I could just break it down, you know. And that's something, as an older reporter now, I'm not hesitant ever to go, I don't understand. Help me understand. How I don't understand. You know, when I was younger, I think I wanted to fuddle my way through it and pretend I got it, and then I'd start to write it, and I would be like... I don't know what I'm writing, you know. So I, I did a lot of like, wait, slow down, help me explain this, you know. One of the things we worked into the story was um, kind of like signposts of where you, where we were as a society in time when this is going on, because you forget that even 20 years ago, you know, like w- w- what she says in the story is, you know, th- there's the rise of Google when, <laughs> when, uh, when this is going on. So scientists get to connect to each other in a way that they hadn't been able to before. There was actually, the science was going on in France that only a few people knew about here. And and as you go along, you'll see too how, you know, the world has gotten a lot smaller and people are able to to share stuff. And uh, But it was interesting. And then to remind you that the, you know, the Human Genome Project um, is really fairly recent in the history of man, right? We didn't really have an understanding of DNA up until 
um, not that long ago, and that that helped propel everything forward. Yeah, I mean, I remember being in college and people just being wowed that they were even going to try to map the Human Genome Project. So right. that was in my lifetime. You know, it became a this never going to work. To here it is. <laughs> There's some interesting parallels as we go along, and I think, you know, Lane lays the groundwork for it. Um, The dogs were introduced in the first story. The mice are introduced in the second. You know, the moms have kind of the same reaction, you know, to to that milestone, um, as it were. And so, anyway, there... I mean, there's a lot of serendipity for us, too, as as you put the series together, and they're like, you know, how things happen. Yeah, it does. A lot of it does seem like holy cow moments. How did that even come together? You know, I think one of the tricks on this part was, um, and and I don't know if we pulled it off, but like not you, you don't want people to forget about Lincoln. Lincoln is the the kid who is driving this story, um, and we were able to come in and go out with Lincoln with Maggie through Maggie. Um, but you do we you know we do purposely pull away for you know to give you this context. Yeah, we had to get to the dogs video that out. I mean, and this this chapter we wanted to get right up to the point right. that the dog video. I mean, it ends with the dog video, just like the last one in a way. Um, but but it was nice too because I think Allison really was rooting for Lincoln. Like she didn't have a little guy to root for anymore, and so all of a sudden she kind of takes him under her wing too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this one got to be called the Hope, which is really good for Lane. Lane loves the Hope. It's my favorite title. <laughs> Um, and, and again, you, you'll see as we go through um, part three now, when we get to part three, we'll go back to Lincoln. And we're going we're gonna to follow his chronology. And then when we go to four, we're going to keep following the science. So they, they do kind of like a strand of DNA, right? You're, they're, <laughs> they're braided together. Um, that's what we were trying to do. So, right? The, the helixes. The helixes, yes. We were very purposeful. Um, anything else that we you think about this one that we wanted? I'm trying to remember what else we... we I mean, the struggle really was about a, yet another... We knew we were going to... This is another family. you got to get your head around. And again, not try to, to tell you too much about Joshua's own personal struggles because we knew we would get into that with um, Maggie and Anthony and Lincoln and what they had to do. So really use them to help tell the science and sort of how that took off. Absolutely. And introduce and this was money. This was money, too, a little bit, like how it got started with money. That's true, too. The, no the, national foundation was funding this. No right. research university was funding this. It was like, okay, we maybe have the science, but we can't do anything with it until you guys give us the money. Right. And that whole – and this – I mean, and this – I've read series and stories about this, too. I mean, sometimes parents are put in this situation on – but to have actually pulled this off. To have been able to, to to fund this much research to move it that far along, that that's pretty incredible. Yeah, neither yeah. one of them had any kind of science or research background themselves, you right. know. So they're all trying to learn this world as right. as, as their kids dying. Okay, so uh, if you have any questions for Lane about the series um, or this particular chapter, of course, uh, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's w r i t e l a n e at tampabay.com. Join us next week on Wednesday morning as we continue to discuss Lincoln's shot. This podcast was produced by Monica Herndon. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.